One day, a book came through the office called Lesbian Nuns Breaking Silence. I thought, boy, if this isn't something we have to do, I don't know what it is, right? Hey, that was Bert Dubrow talking about kind of the genesis of conflict TV, conflict talk, one hour, one topic, host of the microphone walking through the audience, and a panel of people talking about one subject. His show was Sally Jesse Raphael. He went on to create Springer, but he also started out a totally different genre. Kids are people too, and the Mike Douglas show moved his way up to doing all kinds of shows. He worked for a company that was way ahead of its time. It's just interesting to hear how that worked and, and well, how it didn't work. But today's show is about conflict talk, or as the TV called it, trash talk, because people would yell and scream and get passionate about it. Bert is a master of these kind of shows. They were huge in the 80s and 90s. And now just talking to him at the offices of HLN's Dr. Drew show, Dr. Drew on call. I've seen four different names for it, but Dr. Drew every night on HLN, four nights a week. You know, it's kind of just a, a normal news talk show, except Bert brings over this old school feeling of the audience and the audience participation and, um, uh, a whole world of passion around Drew, who's the center. And we talk about how what shows work, what didn't work. Anyway, Bert's an amazing producer and character, and uh, I don't know what was with me. I asked him about two stories I heard about him, and he uh, denied them. Sometimes the truth can get in the way of a good story. Enjoy this. He's great. I think you will enjoy it. And uh, go to our website, proudlyresents.com, slash Bert Dubrow to find out how to reach him. More on his bio and clips from his shows. At Proudly Resents is our Twitter and reachadam at mac.com is my email. So I'm here with Bert Dubrow. Bert, you've worked on a million shows. What we worked on together, a show with, we just talked about this, Randy Rhodes, who no one knows who that is. Randy Rhodes doesn't know who that is. <laughs> and even you say, like, not that Randy Rhodes. Right. And uh, Monique. Yeah. Oscar winner Monique. Well, not when we worked with her. No, she was a new comic. She had never done a talk show in her life when we worked with her. Yeah, how did that come about? How did you wind up working with her? Um, if I remember correctly, William Morris put that together. Uh, Susie Unger, who was uh, my agent at the time, um, said he just was obsessed with her. Obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. Where did she see her? She represented her. Uh -huh. And so she knew her as a stand-up, I guess. And... Um, I had a, a development deal with Fox, and she said, we got to do Monique, and if anybody can teach her a talk show, you can, blah, blah, blah. And that's what happened, and I did, and put a little group together. You were part of that group, or at least that's what you told me. I didn't remember. <laughs> and um, she was dynamite. Unfortunately, it did not sell to Fox for reasons that are, are not going to be discussed right now, but right. Um, she was brilliant. She was brilliant, and the show was confrontation talk yeah it i mean yeah it was uh relationships um confrontation and mo was so mo, mo as we called her monique sort of like a mother figure in a way to a lot of these stories yeah well she was great i i remember uh i was an ap and I'm, i was so worried about doing a good job that i 
I hyped up this kid so much that he came out. Was this the kid who threw the chair? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember then we threw the camera backstage and she talked him out of it. I remember it all. Yeah, it was amazing. And then after the camera, she brought him back to her dressing room and prayed with him. Yeah. I thought this woman's amazing that she cares so much. But she wasn't praying with him. She was praying to win an Oscar. And it <laughs> had nothing to do with him. She was and, practicing and, acting. Right. Yeah. And, and she won. Yeah. Right. What did you think when you saw her win? Did you take full well, credit? Well, I've seen her since. Uh-huh. I mean, so I... um. Um, well, I think anybody that knew her knew that she had a magic to her and, um, she, her life changed a lot. She, she was married then and now she's not married to the same guy. And I know she's had whatever issues there. And, um, I know she had some issues with her brother. You know, you, when you get that kind of success, unfortunately, a lot of times what goes with that is not all good. You know, you get, you find yourself wrapped up with people that are saying yes, yes, yes to you. And if, one real good friend says no, they're not friends anymore. Right, and there was a lot of yes guys there. I think so. Or yeah. they, ultimately, there always is if there's success. Right, right, they follow it. So before yeah. that, you had just come from Springer and Sally Jesse, but how did you start out doing talk? Well, my, a way I always wanted to do it. I always knew that I wanted to do it. Um, I mean, when I say always, I mean always. Like when I was a little kid, I knew that I wanted to do it. And... Um, my first job was at WLS in Chicago, which was uh, an ABC-owned and operated station. And their number one show on all their owned and operated stations <clears throat> was a show called Kennedy and Company that was on 7 to 9 Live. I became an AP on that show. Story's too long on how I got there, but I was 22 or something. Uh-huh. And I got that job, and it was ridiculous. I mean, there I was. And that's what got me started. And what did you have to do? Did you have to- I booked guests, I wrote segments, I did demos. I learned. Mm-hmm. I learned and learned and learned. From a guy named Bob Kennedy, who was the host, who ended up, um, when this is before you, but when Good Morning America started, it was called AM America. Uh-huh. And Bob Kennedy, after all the years of Local Local, was the host and was going to be the host. He and a guy named Bill Butel, right. who was a news anchor at uh, WABC in New York. And Bob Kennedy, after working so hard all those years gets cancer right beforehand and dies and never got to do the show. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was a sad story. But he was a great broadcaster. And uh-huh. um, that's how I how I got that. And how did it go from that to, well, Kids Are People too. was a show I watched growing up. Right. Shut up. Watch growing up. I was, um, the, I was the, the kids. Let me take my teeth out and talk to you. <laughs> um, well, now you're not nice to me. Then we were people. Now we're not. No, no, we're not. No more. And we're not kids either. <laughs> um, yeah, Kids Are People too was started out with uh, actually the, the the first part of that show was Wonderama in New York, which with a guy named Bob McAllister who had a song called Kids Are People too, and they took Bob and from Metro Media and gave him his own show called Kids Are People too because of that song at ABC in New York on the network, and they found out pretty quickly that the kids were smarter than him, so he <laughs> lasted one season. He lasted one season, and then I found the host. They, my, a guy named Michael Young. Uh-huh. Um, and then I came in. I'm, I'm cutting these stories real short, but then I came in and... Uh, so you, you were able to bring the guy in? Is that how you got the job? Is the guy well, got the, I can I, fix I, the show? I brought him in, and then I did not take the job. I was at a place called Cube in Columbus, Ohio. Uh-huh. Um, and I had Michael there, and then I went to New York, and they wanted to talk about the show that I was doing, which was sort of like Kids with People too. Without me knowing the kids or people too was on. It was a smarter version. So they were interested. They asked me to come and they asked Michael to come. But um, they asked me to be an AP and I wouldn't do it. So I gave them Michael. I couldn't hold that back from Michael. And then he was there one year and 
really didn't like the way it was going, called me and said, you got to come. So then I came in. Is that your first EP job? Or? Uh, no. My first EP job was at um, at Cube, where I was but right before that. Yeah, what was it? I was reading Cube about it. Cube was a two-way television system. Uh-huh. Um, first two-way. It was where the word interactive came from. Uh-huh. And it was owned by Warner. Um, and it was a test market. And it was the first two-way television system. You had a box at home. Mm-hmm. And you could take that box and get involved with what was going on. So if they had a show like American Idol, mm-hmm. you got to vote right there and you'd see the results right on the screen immediately. And it was only in that one market? It was in that one market and uh, it was it great. But it was it did fine, but it just was ahead of its time. Uh-huh. It just it was too much. Yeah, it seemed like way ahead of its time. Yeah. 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 So how did you end up going from that to Sally Jesse Raphael? Like, how did you find her? Well, <clears throat> I don't remember how I got, went from there to Sally Jesse Raphael, but I was in New York. I think I was doing Kids or People too. I think. And um, I had gotten divorced. And somebody actually asked me to make a phone call for them because there were shows in between Sally too. Mm-hmm. Um, that there was a job in Cincinnati, Ohio for a company called Multimedia. And this guy wanted the job. So would I call and help him do that? And I said, sure. So I did. I made the phone call to a gentleman by the name of Jim Lina who was in charge of programming. And the, and it was for a show called The Bob Braun Show, which was a, reg- a regionally syndicated show for multimedia, which was originally Avco, Phil Donahue, the same company. And I made the phone call. I went through this whole pitch to this guy. For your friend. For my friend. And then when I was finished, the guy said, are you done? And I said, yeah. He said, we were going to call you. We want you for this job. I said, oh, my God. This is horrible. <laughs> I mean, this is, how am I going to explain this? So I said, I don't really want the job. Well, would you come in and talk to us? So I did. They flew me in to Ohio. And um, it was for the Bob Braun show, as I said, which when I got there, I think was on the air 15 years. So it had been on a while. And they wanted to change it and make it more contemporary. And they had you have full creative control. So uh, I had to call the guy. I told him the truth. Mm-hmm. He was fine because I told him the truth. And then I took the job. And while I was there, it was there that I thought, wait a minute. We've got the Bob Braun show, the Phil Donahue show. God forbid Phil gets hit by a bus. What's this company going to do? Right. So I went to them and said, if I could find somebody, I'd like to work out a development deal with you. And they said, fine. I said, I'd like it to be a woman because there was no woman hosting a show like that. This is pre-Oprah. Mm-hmm. This is about 81 or 82. Why is a woman important for you? Because I thought to myself, women are home day- in daytime. Women are watching. Why isn't a woman hosting? It didn't make any sense. Right. Years before that, there were people like Virginia Graham and Joan Rivers was around and um, Dinah Shore and all the, but no one doing any kind of real important topics. And uh, he looked at me, the, uh, Walter Bartlett, who was the CEO of uh, Multimedia, same thing he said to me, you said, or, or vice versa. Why do you want a woman? Mm-hmm. And I really do think the example I gave him then was that if you're doing if you're doing a topic on women and their menstrual cycle, which was a topic you would do back then, wouldn't it have a different feel if a woman was hosting than a guy? <laughs> and how do you argue that? Really? Right. He said, "Look, if you could find someone good." Well, I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, doing this Bob Ron show. You know, major stars were not knocking down our door. Right. So, pretty much, if you could breathe, we'd have you on. All right. So, in walked one day, walked this person. Sally Jesse Raphael, 
I thought it was three people. I didn't even know it was one person. <laughs> and she was on uh, NBC Talk Net Radio at the time. Uh-huh. And she was intriguing to me because she was interesting looking. She wasn't beautiful. She wasn't ugly. She had been around the block a couple of times and couldn't get arrested on television. So <clears throat> I thought to myself, Braun, Bob Braun was going on vacation. If I bring her in to host, theoretically, I have five pilots haven't paid a nickel. So before I got there, I found out that when Bob would go on vacation, game show hosts would come in there and host that show. I'd use Sally. And I tried everything I could try with her. Put a reel together, gave it to them. They said, you know what? This could be interesting. And I thought, great, I'm living in Cincinnati now. We'll do it. They called me up. They called me down to the office. They said, look, we're going to do this. We're going to give it a test. But we're going to do it in St. Louis. I said, St. Louis? Why St. Louis? Because we owned a station there, KSDK. Mm -hmm. I moved to St. Louis, and I was doing both shows at the same time for a while. And we started Sally in a half-hour format. A lot of people don't remember that or even know that. Uh And then we built it to an hour, and I think the first market we got that we sold was Grand Rapids, Michigan, which meant we were syndicated. (laughs) (laughs) You could say that officially. You could say it. Yeah. St. Louis and Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we really built it and built it, and that was what was great about multimedia. You took the time. It always takes the time to build those kind of shows. Very few of them happen overnight. So we built it and built it and built it, and all of a sudden, Sammy Davis came on the show. I got Jerry Lewis to come on the show, you know. And we would do some pretty substantive interviews. Then one day we got a letter from a lady. Her name was Stephanie. And it turned out that she was raped and hadn't told anybody. The only person she wanted to tell was Sally. She listened to Sally on the radio. She watched the show. So we brought her in. And at the last, she had never been on a plane before. Uh-huh. Um, we brought her in and at the last minute she started to get butterflies she didn't want to do it we were up all night with her anyway we did it you it's like when that started it's like you took a deep breath and nobody had any breathing till the end of that show it was, she was, it was compelling as hell and I think that's sort of how we found our started to find our way people telling intimate stories to Sally that was the first time you had done that yeah. And um was there pushback for it? No. No. Um I don't think there were enough people that even thought knew we were around to push back. But um it got us some attention. And then um I told you Phil Donahue, same company. Mm-hmm. So we fought the Donahue show all the time because they got everything. They got all the guests, you know, I got nothing. And one day a book came through the office called Lesbian Nuns Breaking Silence. I thought, boy, if this isn't something we have to do, I don't know what it is, right? <laughs> right? And I had them booked. And the next thing you know, I'm getting a call from the company. Well, the Donahue Show has them first. I said, no, they don't. We've got it. And I happened to win that battle. And that got us some attention. And then we were doing fairly well. Still nobody. It was still Oprah, Geraldo, and whoever. It wasn't us yet in there. And... We ended up then moving the show from St. Louis to New Haven. Not to New York yet, to New Haven. Again, because they own the station? or No, just because we weren't ready to go to New York. Uh It was cheaper to do it in New Haven. And it was a smart thing to do, actually. And we did that. And then um, I remember we opened our first day with nudists. (laughs) And the head of the Ku Klux Klan was another show. What was the network's reaction to when you started doing these kind of shows? I was okay. 
it was okay because back then it was okay. Remember, Phil was doing a lot of risky stuff, so we weren't the only ones. Uh-huh. We just did it from a female perspective more. And um, and the next thing you know, we started to take off. Well, we began to get invited to the Emmys. We never won. We did, we never wanted to go. We, you know, the women had to get makeup put on and dresses, and everyone was bitch. But we had to go. And every year, the winner is. Oprah Winfrey. It's like, yeah, okay, enough. We don't need to go. So now we move the show to New York. We're doing it from New York, and we're getting better guests and, you know, all that. And now the Emmys come up. We got to go. We fought like hell. We didn't want to go. We went. And we're sitting there, and it, that back then it was it was a primetime show. It was on ABC. <clears throat> and um, they come to the talk show um, category. And they say, and the winner is... I said, Sally, Jesse, Raphael show. I heard in my ears, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> I didn't get up. <laughs> was, it's true. Oh, my God. I know. So they pushed me up there. And it was then that I realized when you're watching show award shows at home and you're always thinking to yourself, why is that idiot up there acting like a moron? I was now that moron. Right. Because I had no idea. And that after that, we won an Emmy the following year, too. We were a, we were a contender. And um, why was New Haven a good idea for you guys? Closer to New York than St. Louis. It was a limo drive away. So we could get guests, better guests. And it just was closer to New York. It was better production value. I mean, well, I th- why not New York? Like, why was that better than going because right to New York? Because it was expensive to go to New York. We uh-huh. didn't have the coverage yet. So the markets. You- we need to build ourselves first. Uh-huh. It's like, why do these shows go on the air? Talk shows then go off the air so quickly. They're not ready. No, they're bad. The, the, it's like well, they're, grand they're, opening. But some of them are not bad. Some of them are not ready. And maybe if they had a little more time, they'd be ready. Uh huh. We weren't ready. Like so, a Broadway show going touring. exactly like a Broadway. Good analogy. Uh-huh. Exactly like a Broadway show. And that's what happened. And the next thing you know, I got more paper clips. I got more stationery. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I wasn't fought on lesbian nuns. You know, I could do things. And right. you know, share did. I mean, I got a call one day from. Uh, a guy named Billy Samoth, who's Cher's manager. Um, and he said, um, Cher watches the show every day on her um, treadmill. Can you send us some? She'd love to, you know, tape some tapes. And I said, okay. And then one day I kept doing that. And I thought, why am I sending him tapes? Why don't I call him and ask him you know, to do the show? And I did. And he said, you're right. We, we owe you that. And she did the show. Wow. Yeah. So everybody did the show. I mean, we had everybody uh-huh. from Audrey Hepburn to Raquel Welch to Burt Reynolds. I mean, you name it. Then that sort of got old after a while, the celebrity thing. So then we began to do more confrontation. Mm-hmm. And at least my recollection was Feuding Sisters was a big show for us. Uh, so you'd have it as much as possible. So then we did Feuding Neighbors, you know, then, <laughs> you know, Feuding Fences, whatever we feud, <laughs> right. we would. Do, and, you know, from there, we did a lot of that. People don't believe the stories that used to go on in daytime TV. I mean, how would you get the guests? How would you get them there? I know you were above that at that point. No, but- no, no. I was never above it. I was right there. Um, well, you talk about the whole competitive thing, I think. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I've heard this story about, I don't know if it was Sally or not, about a woman who cut out her own resume. Was that you? It was us. Oh, yeah. Can you tell that story? Well, I heard it from the other side. Well, as I remember it, okay, this lady, little woman, um, she cut, she got so screwed up. She cut her breast off. Whatever she did, we Took booked her. her but yeah, and, she, and put her in a hotel. Mm-hmm. And she was and um, in the hotel. And then we went to get her, and she wasn't there. Uh-huh. Turned out the Mori Povich people. Is that what you heard? Yeah, no, yeah, I okay. heard it from a Mori Povich. Okay, person. the Mori Povich people came and got her. Yeah, and uh, away from us, we paid for her to come in, and it got that competitive. And then she, I think, 
I think I was able to stop them from airing that. I think. I don't. I wouldn't swear to it, but I think we aired it first because. Uh, what I had heard on the other side was that you guys put her in a different hotel than normal, so they couldn't find her. Then they found her, and they said, "Maury just wants to say hi. We're not going to put you on the show." And she's like, "Well, I can't do your show." Of course, they put her, in, and he wants you to bring your breast implants. So they put her in a dark room. Lights come up, and there's an audience and cameras and the show. And that's called lying and cheating. Yeah. Was, we, was that we, common? Was that common? No, I don't think it was common. It may be common for the Polvich people yeah, to do yeah. that. But no, it wasn't common. I mean, it was very competitive in that, like, if you did our show, you couldn't do Oprah. You couldn't do more. You couldn't, you know. Uh-huh. And looking back on that, how stupid is that? Why I mean, is it? Why do you think it's I don't Because I don't think the audience goes, you know what? I saw him there. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not gonna, they don't think that way. Right, right, right. Well, they were celebrities now. It still goes on with late night shows. Big time with late yeah. night shows. And, and uh, listen, um, it happens here at HLN. Oh, it does. Sure, Nancy Grace has somebody she wants him first. Wants him first, you know. Uh-huh. Okay, but you know when you're doing this for a while, you realize, okay, fine, life's too short. Uh huh. Let him do Nancy, <laughs> and then they'll come on our show. And you don't mind taking them second uh, most of the time because you have your own host and your own angle. Yeah, Drew yeah. Pinsky is one person. Nancy Grace is another person. Both have their own audience, you know. Uh huh. And no, you're right. So they're watching him every night or her every night. They're not Whatever. chasing stuff. Yeah. 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 So what ha- do you get? What happens with you at the show? Is there some point where you just want to move on? You want to change from Sally? <sighs> what yeah. brought you to Springer? Well, I started Springer. I found Springer while you were at Sally. Yes, um, because I didn't want to be a one-trick pony. Uh-huh. That was my motivation. There were other people I saw around me that were, and that bothered me. Um, so about five, six. Well, I don't know how many years into Sally. More than that, I think. I knew Jerry from Cincinnati when I was doing the Bob Braun show. Oh, right. And he was a news anchor then. He was doing um, commentaries then. And I knew I'd do a show with him someday. I thought it would be him first and somebody else second. Turned out Sally first. So I went to, New York, you know, St. Louis, New Haven, New York, did that. And then um, I, I, the company actually was very nice to me. And they said, um, we want to give you a raise. And uh, I remember this was on the 59th and 10th. With Walter Bartlett, who, may he rest in peace, the most glorious man in the world. Just a great, great executive. And I said, I don't want the money. I want to do another show. He lived in Cincinnati. He ran the Cincinnati World Multimedia from Cincinnati. Uh-huh. He said, what do you want me? You don't want money. I said, I want to do another show. He said, do you have any idea what you want to do? I said, uh-huh. I want to do Jerry Springer. He said, Springer? He couldn't believe it because Jerry was the anchor at WLW in Cincinnati where he lived and where he worked. And he hired Jerry. Uh-huh. Well, the local station gets all their money from the news. So the last thing in the world he wanted to do is give me Jerry Springer. But he did. But he did. And so I started the Springer show in Cincinnati. So now I was doing Sally in New York and Springer in Cincinnati. What was it about Springer that... I lo- he was, he was just funny. Uh-huh. A great personality. Smart as a whip. I mean, just so smart. Um, and I just thought he'd... Have, instinctively, I thought he would have it. I, I think maybe I was right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, why do you think, when did it change from, because it was kind of like a, it was kind of the same kind of a talk show yeah. and then it became its own thing. It changed, um, well, there were, there were, uh, what people don't remember is there were different incarnations to that show. It, um, there was the softer version where Jerry wanted to do politics and that kind of thing. And I, <clears throat> I remember one incident, incident, um, Jesse Jackson was in town and Jerry really wanted to talk to Jesse Jackson. And I said, we can't, no one's going to listen watch this you know in daytime but we did it nobody watched it and then we did some reunions and that sort of thing and then we actually had a little 
political thing go on at the show. We moved it to Chicago, to all the NBC O&Os, owned and operated stations. And then uh, somebody left the show, and I came in and sort of took over at that point because um, I was overseeing it at that point and just changed it, changed everything. And we were going to make it more confrontational and more meaty. And I remember one particular one I remember is one, and I said to the producers, nothing's off limits. Just go. Worst thing is, well, I'll say no. But so one of the producers came to me. I think it was, his name was Brad Coleman, I'm pretty sure, and said there's a, a, a woman out in um, San Diego or something who's living with her teenager in the backseat of their car. Can we go out there and do the show? And I said, no, but let's bring the car here. I, just, I don't know what made me say that, but I said it. So we did. Uh-huh. So we put the audience around them. We brought the car in, and, and uh, you know, visually that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's Jerry. We opened Jerry in the with Jerry in the car, talking to this woman, and the daughter's in the back seat. Right. Well, all of a sudden the audience got really pissed off at this woman because she wasn't a lowlife. She was somebody that was not stupid, and somehow you looked at it and thought she could work, she could get a job. What is she doing? And they turned on her. And that's where, to me, the turn happened. It began to get confrontational. And then from that, um, a fight broke out one day on the show. Uh-huh. How did you leave that in? Was that, leaving that in must have been a huge... I don't think there was ever a question of, not, of taking it out. Because it's never been, really been done before. Well, Geraldo, was a sh- Geraldo. Oh, right. somebody threw a punch on Geraldo. Right, right. See, I have to remind you of all these things, Adam. You remember none no, of this. I know nothing. Right. Um, well, there was a fight on our show, and everyone, uh, no one could have been happier. You uh, couldn't have been happier. You mean on the Mo- Monique show? Yeah, in, in the, the audience. You remember was, that? During the commercial, yeah. it was so high-strung, the show. That you, it I was seem a fight. to have that ability. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it, you had that energy going. And it was so much that people were fighting during the commercial. They just broke out, and then you guys, I watched. What did the, I do? <laughs> you edited it in, but during the break, like, this is what you well, guys, if you buy the show, this is how crazy it's going to get. Oh, I don't remember that. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny, no comparison. I mean, completely different paragraph. But Dr. Drew that we do on HLN now is not confrontational, but the audience, Drew's not in the audience, but the audience gets to speak their mind. And they, it's, it's, this show has turned out to be sort of a smart version of people getting up, being able to say what they really feel. And people have said, boy, this is rough television, but it's honest television. Uh-huh. It's not rough, it's honest. You changed that. You added that this season, the audience, right? For, for Drew? Yeah. Yeah. Was it, what's the difference been besides the huge on him too as a huge. performer? Yeah, I think any performer that likes to be in front of an audience changes when they get in front of an audience, and then there's an energy. You know, when there's an audience in there, there's an energy, and then you you almost can see the people you're doing it for, and then just to have them to applaud and all that is no good. That's not where I'm from, so I wanted to use them, but I, I had to find a way to use them, and I didn't want Drew in there mm-hmm. because if Drew was in there, it would look daytime, so. It's almost like Morton Downey, not not topically, but in that Morton only could just come to a microphone. Right, they, that's what podium. our people do. I actually hand them the microphone, uh-huh. and then you just see a medium close up of them, and they they're mad, they're angry, they're getting you know. We do topics that will get them involved. And how is that working out? That's uh, working out real well. What do you think about Morton Downey? That was. Do you? Think- I knew Morton really well. I loved him. Why do you think that flash burned out? Or I think it, I think it rose too quickly. Sometimes when it was, it's like a rocket. When it goes up quick, it's got to come down. And I think he started to get a little, maybe too into it, and it just, it just was one of those things. It happened. It went up, and then it went down. I worked, and this is almost like a Clippers fan talking to Lakers. But I worked at a Richard Bay show, 
before I met you. Oh, my God. But why did that not work and your Springer work? I'll tell you why. Because Richard was silly and and Jerry was not silly. We took the we took sort of what we did seriously. And as crazy as this sounds, we treated those guests with respect. There were no games on our show. There was no balloons. There was no effects. water. You had you were doing the truth of consequences or the price is right. You uh-huh. were doing a different show. And I, I you know, I get a little hostile when I talk about this, you can see. Because yeah. I'll never forget Richard was grabbed me one day at a convention. I said, you know, we did this before we did this kind of show before you did. No, you didn't. We did a different show. Because we would stand, we had no, we were in Secaucus, New Jersey. I know where you were, Channel Nine. Channel Nine, and we would stand and look at the the one TV we had, and we're like, we did that last week, but you didn't. What's the difference? It's a tone. It's a tone. I mean, look what Jerry did at the end. Look at the the, is um, you did the final thoughts. That was your idea, right? Well, not it wasn't. Here's what it was really. Uh As I told you earlier, Jerry did commentaries on the news, so all I did was think, wait a minute, let's do the commentary at the end on what we just did. And we renamed it The Final Thought. And what people don't realize is Jerry wrote, and I'm sure writes every word of that to this day. Really? He every takes word. the time to do it. You could have dinner with Jerry before the show. He'd be writing The Final Thought. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He's a brilliant guy, Jerry. And what do you think of these shows now, the ones they produce out of Connecticut? They do that, Maury and Well, I think, it's, I think it's, a, it, it's now become such a crazy thing. Generation after generation watches it. I think, look, the Springer show, once it became a cartoon, it became okay. When it wasn't a cartoon, it wasn't okay. Then it was sort of disrespectful. But Jerry says to this day, and we used to say it then, these people are not so far from a, far removed from us than you think. You know, some of them are our neighbors in a way. They they have every right to be on television as anybody else does. But it's certainly gotten out of hand. It's it is a cartoon, and a lot of these people, are, you know, take they take a lot of license with what they're doing. But it is what it is. Maury carved out his thing. You know. Mm-hmm. It's your, is it your baby and all that? Right. Steve Wilkos is somewhere in the middle. I mean, I hired Steve as the bodyguard, you know, originally for Jerry. Yeah, why, why do you think he became such a talent? Or did you ever, did you see that in him? Or you just I did not. No, I think Richard Dominic saw that more, than, who was the guy who worked for me, and then I made him the executive producer. And I think he saw that. I didn't see that. I think, listen, I think Steve's a great guy. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't see that. When I worked with you, we were going to do a show. You had this idea. It was going to be a late night show hosted by a hot woman. And then it became Cindy Margolis, I guess. The idea that I had was not the idea that we got on the air. The idea that I had is we would just simply take a daytime show, flip it, do it outside at night, make it with a hot woman, and make the topics very, very sexy. CBS, iMark, which was alive at that point, bought that idea. And they asked me to do a show called Dr. Joy Brown in the interim. I turned that down. Right. So I did that. And then in the meantime, CBS bought King World. Mm -hmm. And then my idea became part of that. And the people that were running King World, those people shall remain nameless, thought this should be more of a um, spring break kind of a show. Do you remember the show at all? Cindy Margolis? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I watched it because I knew you. I wanted to see what – because I loved your original idea. but it wasn't much. See, they changed it, and no. it was the wrong idea. What was it? It was what? like spring break. It was a bad version of spring break. Is what we ended up out on the beach in Florida. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. What did, it was? What was the content for you? Uh, you know what I mean? What was your idea? Because the original idea, of content, you would do like a Sally topic or something sexy with a woman. But there's no topic. There's no people dancing. Well, I don't that even. Weird guy walking around. Um, uh, Lance or Lance Crawl. Yeah, who you discovered? I loved him. Yeah. I still, I've, I've talked to him uh, every once in a while. 
And then we did like bikini contests. Uh-huh. I remember my wife came down because we did it in Florida. And we had to audition the um, women, you know, the women, the girls. And she looked at me and said, what are you doing? I mean, like what? And it was, she was true. It was right. What am I doing? I, I don't know what we were doing. It was a joke. And the only idea that I had that stayed through the whole thing was every segment she was dressed differently, Cindy. Why is I just thought it'd be great. <laughs> it was like watching, you know, Frederick's of Hollywood or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's the place in the malls? Um, Frederick's Hollywood. No, 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 no. Uh, Victoria's Secret. Victoria, yeah. It was like that. Uh-huh. It was like watching Victoria's Secret. But she would have been so much better had she really with a microphone. And I think it would have been campy if we could have done it that way and hip. And she's smart enough to do it. Yeah, 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 but this was hard. This was a hard show to do. Because it was madness. There was it was like a telethon. It didn't seem to end. <laughs> no. I was waiting for us to cure some disease, you know. It was terrible. Right. But it wasn't my idea. That's not what I wanted so to do. So what do you do at that point when you're stuck with this show? That's a good question. Um, you have a choice. You say yes, you're gonna do it, or no, you're not. I said yes. It's my own so I you know, I take responsibility. Right, but right. Well, but I mean, clearly it wasn't my idea. Now we did a pilot, I don't know where that is, but we did a pilot. In Florida, with my idea. And that's what we sold. With her doing it. With her doing what I just, about like a daytime thing with an audience. It's uh-huh. great. I forget what we, I really can remember. I wonder where that pilot is. I don't know. I, I hadn't thought about it until just now. Well, you sold it. Yeah, I did yeah. sell it. Because they didn't think it was that. It Because when I did it with Cindy as the, the talk show, well, you know, with her and a microphone in the audience and yeah. dressed great. And the idea of her talking to someone about, um, you know, how do you keep your sex life alive? It's just, why not? And you, when we had met, you'd wanted to get Jenny McCarthy. Did you ever meet with her for it? No, I, you're right. I wanted her to host it. I uh-huh. thought she'd be great. Uh, no, but how many years ago was that? Oh, my God, like 20. She was the hottest thing at the time. No, but so let's say it was 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. We had her here, and she and I ended up having dinner together about two years ago, and I told her about it. Oh, wow. Yeah. She'd be good to do she, it now. She's gr- I love her. Yeah. I love her. That's great. And what about... I remember when you were doing Joy, you had done a pilot for Christopher Knoll, Lowell. Right. What the hell? You would you look all this stuff, or do you remember this? Both. Okay. Yeah. So that means you looked it up. You yeah, yeah. It I don't remember. Anything. Um. Yeah. It was Christopher had four people, I think. Okay. It wasn't just Christopher. But you had done it with their set. That's what with, I remember. On the Joy Brown set. Yeah. Yes. So they had no idea. Who? CB, it was CBS. Did they know you no, were doing this? Oh, they did. Oh, yeah, they. Knew. Oh, the story I had heard is that you had done it. No, no, they know. I would never have done that. I mean, that, there's no way. That would have been a great story. That's I know. I brought it up. Christopher Lowell story. getting a show is not a good story. I'm sorry, but, but it's not. No, they knew. I would never have snuck that. Uh-huh. No, I, I would never do that. But um, yeah, Christopher and some women, I forget who. Oh, my God. Look what you're doing to me. What is it about talk that you've always liked? Oh, God. I think it's real. It's real. It's honest. It's not edited if you do it a certain way. The, for instance, Drew on HLN, we do live. We do it live every night. Live. So it's just you could it's it's the only it's the the truest form of broadcasting it's how sort in a way how it all started and it never goes away. It think about it it doesn't go away. Why is it why is it Because up? it's just inter- if you do it right it's interesting to watch. Uh-huh. If you do it right. Um look you got whoever thought Johnny Carson would be replaced and you've got Jimmy Fallon now doing it. You got Colbert who's just I think finding his way now. Just starting to find his way. I've been watching that every night. What do you think of him? I mean, someone who's done this. I think, he's, I think he's good. Time. I think he's smart. You think he'll get better? I think he's getting better. Uh-huh. He did something the other night that was just brilliant. He he was to, uh, very Letterman-esque in a way, but he pulled it off. And and I think it was real that he was saying he can't. There's no time to meet with the production staff, and so he said, "Look, this one girl's been dying to get a meeting with him for like you know 
four weeks, so they had the meeting right there. She sat next to him, they had the meeting. And he turned out looking like a complete idiot. Everything that went wrong was his fault. <laughs> That's why they couldn't meet. I mean, it was great. Uh-huh. Great. If they don't make that a monthly thing, they're out of their minds. And where do you think TV will be in 10 years? I think the talk world will always be there. I think um, this whole idea of um, of social media and connecting that to TV, I don't think that works. Um I think you can have, uh, you know, a billion followers and then go, go on the air. It doesn't mean you're going to get a rating. Right. It doesn't translate. Uh-huh. So I think, listen, it'll always be around. It may take different forms. Um, you know, you've got Roku and Netflix and all that now, and we'll see where that goes. And some people are getting rid of cable. Some people aren't. But, you know, I think, I don't think it's going anywhere so quickly. Uh-huh. It'll change, but it's supposed to change the time. That's great. Well, thank you, Bert. You're welcome. Adam, that, that, we're, we're out of time for this interview. This show proudly presents, I am, of course, Adam Spiegelman, your host. Mostly do reviews of cult films, or we have people who made these films. The reason I think Bert fits this show is for three reasons. One, because I was able to get him. I worked for him. I worked in this kind of talk before I started there. But I think like cult films, you know, that some of them seem trashy, but they're not. They all take skill. The bad ones are fun, too, let's be honest. But these shows are all well done. The content is what you make of it. So I just feel like a lot of his shows and a lot of things he talks about can fall in that category. And then the third, these are just great stories. And every time we've had a guest on, Robert Morton or Todd Yasui or uh, Madeline Smithberg, with some great showbiz stories. I've got a lot of great responses from you guys who listen. Thanks for listening to Proudly Resents. Make a comment or suggest a film at reachadam at mac.com or on our comment line. Ready? Get a pencil. <laughs> I'll wait. Okay. Got one? Okay. 646 481 547 Six. Keep it clean and short. We might air it. Join us on Facebook or be old school and go to our website, proudlyresents.com. If you like the show, put the episode up on your Twitter, Facebook, stumble upon, dig, you know, all those things. Tell a friend. I'm Eddie Pepitone and my Twitter account is at Eddie Pepitone.